Entrepreneur Weekly interviews the brilliant leaders of today in order to provide a stepping stone of wisdom on the journey to personal business ownership. Now, here's your host, Alan Taylor. OMG! What are we going to do, America? It's going crazy out there. I need help. Help me. Okay, well, I said that to one of my friends, Gary Goldstein. Um, and he says, you need to talk to my dear friend, Marielle Hemingway. So here she is. Hi, Marielle. How you doing? <laughs> <laughs> well, that's quite an intro. Right? I like that. How can we help? <laughs> oh, exactly. Well, let me just tell people, first of all, Marielle Hemingway is considered an expert in both mental health and physical health. And I have a feeling that when I was talking to, to Gary, Gary's going to be doing an event with me um, this coming up week, and we've been talking more and more about you, Marielle. And he says, you got to have her on the show. you got to have her on the show. She makes so much sense. And I thought, how do we make sense out of what is going on in the world today? And then he says, uh, she has got so many great analogies. And then, of course, you and I talked for just a moment here before the show got started, and you talked about the seven greatest doctors and I was like, yes, I need the seventh grade doctors. <laughs> so, I mean, do I make an appointment with them or where do I start with this? Here's the greatest news about the seven greatest doctors. They're completely available, any appointment at any time, and they're free. Oh, I like Because that. these doctors have always been available. I think that we forget that our health and wellness and the balance of all of our lives is really within our purview to take care of. So my seven greatest doctors are Dr. Sun, Dr. Air, Dr. Water, Dr. Exercise, Dr. Nutrition, <laughs> Dr. Earth, Dr. Rest, and I think that's it. Uh, I love that's it. That's it. Yep. Because it's about uh, sleeping. It's about drinking water. It's yeah. about eating well. It's about exercising your body. It's about getting sun. You know, all of these things, they sound simplistic, but they're incredibly important to the balance of our bodies and brains. And especially the, this crazy time we live in and we're so like, what the heck's going on that you really need to, you really have to arm yourself with what we have, what nature provides. Right. So that's why I talk about those doctors. I love it. <laughs> and you know, it's funny. It's like you are probably, you know, one of those people that, you know, I mean, you you come from your your, your name is a very famous name. Uh, you know, I mean, I, I thought to myself, you know what? I didn't. All I met was this person on the other end of the phone that sounded like she's got her her shiznit together. I can say that because that's a word I can use on the radio. You <laughs> you have figured out so much of life. And so when Gary, our friend, our mutual friend says, you really need to speak to Marielle. I said, yeah, but I have a question for you. How do you describe who Marielle Hemingway is when people talk to you? I need actress, author, producer, all these things. But how do you describe yourself to people? I don't know. That's a hard one. I it's know. It's hard to describe yourself because right. you are you. Right. <laughs> you know, you just know that you wake up in the morning and you do your thing. Right. I mean, I'm very... I love ritual. I love being connected in nature. So the, the concepts that I talk about are actually things that I do. So when I talk about health, when I talk about wellness, when I talk about mental health, because that's a 
a big focus for me in my life because of where I come from. A great family, creative family, amazing family, but also a family that struggled with mental health and addiction problems and alcoholism and all that stuff. So knowing where you come from and knowing where I come from, you know, I don't think of myself as special in any way. I just think of myself as a person that relies on the daily routines that I know create wellness and balance, but also joy. And I look for joy. I look for activities and things that make me smile and that bring joy into my life. Because I think if I can bring joy into my own life, then I can share that with others. Oh, um, I love it. You know, so I, love it. I don't right. know how I describe myself. That well, you wasn't know what? Description, but here we're gonna have we're gonna have a half an hour together. <laughs> we're gonna have a half an hour for people to find out who is Marielle Hemingway. We know the famous family part, but who is the person? <laughs> that brings joy into so many people's lives. Don't go anywhere, everybody. This is a special edition of our show with a special guest going to maybe bring some joy to your life today. If you're an entrepreneur or if you're just a wantrepreneur, today is a good show. We'll be right back. Want to find out more about Entrepreneur Weekly? Visit us at entrepreneur.com. You're listening to Entrepreneur Weekly. Now, here's your host, Alan Taylor. And my friend, Marielle Hemingway, granddaughter of Ernest Hemingway, on the line with us today. Thank you for taking the, line, the, the time. I know you're so incredibly busy, uh, which is fantastic. <laughs> and um, what an amazing thing. I mean, you, your, your family name is, is truly iconic. And, but, I, you know, I came in a little bit abruptly like, it's my friend, Marielle Hemingway, you know. It's like, it's more about you as a person, because what have you done to live the life that you have, to find the joy, to find the meaning in life, to be able to be a success? What is a success? It is, is it having money? I don't think so. I mean, it's nice to have money, but what I see is in my family, you know, friends of mine come over and they see my, my wife, my children, my grandchildren, they, they see us, you know, enjoying each other's company. And my friend the other night says to me, you're such a success. And I looked at her and I go, what do you mean? She goes, look at your family. And I thought to myself, oh, she's so right. It's so hard to have that in life. So difficult is a better way to put it. So I wanted people to get to know you, Marielle, is more about, you know, the struggles of life and, and the choices that you make every day in your life. And here we have this crazy thing that is on our world right now. And so I'm hoping that through your seven greatest doctors, I got Dr. Sun, Dr. Air, Dr. Water, Earth, Rest, Exercise, Nutrition. I get all that. That is awesome. And so what kind of a, a routine does Meryl Hemingway use to keep her sanity? The truth is, you know, my life and my balance and my happiness and my joy and my excitement, and my laughter comes through those simple things that I do. So my routine is, is pretty basic. I wake up super early in the morning. I take time for silence. 
everything that I do, whether I drink water, you know, when I first get up, everything's a ritual. If I make coffee or if I make tea, I make it so that it becomes something of a, something special. I make things special, simple things special, because I think when you slow things down, the simplest things down, it enables you to stay in the present moment. And let's face it, with the world the way it is and feeling the craziness of it and wondering about the future or worrying about what's happened is never a good place to be. So you want to stay present. So it's those habitual things. So I do, I have a breathing technique that I do in the morning along with my meditation. I drink water. I write early in the morning. And these simple, simplistic sort of habits that I've had for years really helped me to maintain my balance. And it took me a long time to find the right combination of of habits that I knew would create my balance. Because, you know, the thing is, I have a foundation called the Mariel Hemingway Foundation, which is a, a foundation for mental health. And when you talk about mental health, you know, there's not one size fits all. There's not one size fits all for physical health, but there's especially none for Mental health, it's not about taking a pill. It's about discovering who you are. What's your story? Tell your story. Get it out of the way. Talk about your trauma with whomever you need to in a safe environment so that you can move away from it, so that you can move on, so that you can stay in the present moment. I don't know if that's making sense. but oh, it those, does. Those yeah. rituals actually create a sense of balance for me so I know how to address my life. Right. I think it's brilliant, actually. It says in the good book to be still and know that I am God, right? So you're talking about this taking time for yeah. silence and making it a ritual, making it, it's it's a very spiritual thing that you're talking about there. We don't usually talk about this stuff, Absolutely. but. Absolutely. And, you know, my silence is my prayer. You right. know, I, I keep it neutral because I don't want to turn any, you know, because everybody has their own sense of what God is, what, right. you know, what prayer is, what silence is, what meditation is, you know, and they might have some preconceived idea about right. that. But they if I triggered. keep it neutral, yeah. but that's my connection to God. All right. Hang tight. Beautiful place for a break. That connection to God. That is the foundation, I believe, of the majority of all entrepreneurs is their foundation. What is your foundation? It's, it's a good question. We'll take a little break. It's Entrepreneur Week. It's so cool. Enough of Entrepreneur Weekly? Check out our podcast on iTunes for even more content. Subscribe today. You're listening to Entrepreneur Weekly. Now, here's your host, Alan Taylor. Guest today is my friend, Mariel Hemingway, actress, author, producer, uh, Mariel Hemingway Foundation for Mental Health. And you can find that uh, more information at marielhemingway.co. 
You can find her on all forms of social media at Mariel Hemingway. Pretty simple, right? Granddaughter of a fantastic author, Ernest Hemingway. And I guess you were born just after he passed. Isn't that amazing? Yes. It's a little bit of a drag because I feel like I was gypped of not meeting him. But but I've always felt, even when I was little, you know, growing up in Idaho and I go out to the, there's a memorial out in a beautiful spot on the river. And I always felt like I was connected to him. So that's cool. That's cool. (laughs) Well, and so today, I guess if I could say your, your lot in life is to help people that have mental health issues, body, mind, spirit, using all these and the choices that we make to create, you know, a balance in life or an imbalance in life. So as we are, this is our last segment together. And I always like to have you be the teacher in the last segment of how can we, in a crazy, perilous world that we're in, find this balance? Obviously, we've been going through it already. But, I mean, are there any cornerstones that you can yeah. give to people? Well, you know, the greatest kind of gift I can give anybody is to tell them that they already know what's right for them. They've just forgotten. And that's why I talk about these simplistic things. You know, how do you wake up in the morning? Do you take time to to breathe, to pray, to take silence? These simple things that you do remind you of what you already know, because we have to quiet the brain, which is, you know, overthinking and, and, and we're scared right now, we don't know what's going on, blah, blah, blah. So instead of overthinking, we calm the brain down, which calms the body, and then your inner knowing, kind of the gut brain, then that begins to speak to you. Once you can calm the brain in your head down, I know that sounds kind of counterintuitive, but you really actually need to settle that through silence, through meditation, through making healthy choices in your life so that you can get to the place where your inner guide tells you what's right for you because nobody knows you like you do. But we're told by society that there's a doctor out there, there's an expert, and I'm not saying we don't need help because we do. We all need to read books and you know, and talk to interesting people and I'm talking to you and I'm talking to other people in my life that inspire me to, to go deeper. But ultimately what lies within ourselves is the greatest teacher. You know, so we are our best gurus. We are our best nutritionists. We are our best people to guide us on this path. But we have to trust that the voice that comes from within not the monkey mind, but the inner voice, kind of that voice that comes from your heart is the one that you're hearing. And that takes practice. That takes time to be in stillness. And it's not ours. You know, like some people say to me, oh, I can't meditate. I can't, it's too much for me. I can't be in still. I like, I say to them, so take five minutes. You can take five minutes a day. I'm sure there's five minutes that you can find in the morning where you just are quiet. And don't judge yourself if you have 8 billion thoughts, because if they're super important, you'll remember them. And you just allow yourself to think the thoughts and let them go. Just let them come and let them go. And it is a practice, and it's a kind of, it's a ritual worth pursuing, because that discipline teaches your inner voice that it matters. Man, oh man, you said a lot right there. 
Holy mackerel. By the way, <laughs> I have a list. You have been very... You have been very serious about life. I, I'm looking at your books, your memoir, Out Came the Sun, and then this Invisible Girl, Finding My Balance. These are books, you guys. Mariel Hemingway's Healthy Living from the Inside Out. And then you have a cookbook. I love that. I love that. But all this, I'm sure, is it's available. Is it available at your website? They can find you, uh, find all these books on your yeah, website? Yeah, or on Amazon. Okay. Uh, either on my website or on Amazon. I got to update my I had to update my website, mm. so I've got the Mariel Henning, my foundation in there. I know, right? Don't judge me. No, but and- <laughs> yes, you can get my book from the, from the site, too, but it'll just I take you right it. to Amazon. I so, yes. And my books are... What's good about my books, and not because they're my books, it's because I'm telling a story that I think so many people have. It's not that, oh, yes, you have the same story and that you made movies or whatever. It's really about how I was feeling, and people relate to that, or they grew up in an alcoholic household, or they grew up however they did. There's some sort of resonance with with a lot of people, not everybody, but there's there's always something you can relate to from somebody else's story. And I think that's what's important about what I've written about. I mean, healthy living from the inside out is actually a guide how to, how to live a healthier life, how to make healthier choices for yourself, but also to trust that, like I was saying before, trust that inner guide. I love it. Because you are your best teacher. By the way, you don't hear many people talking about the monkey brain. (laughs) I love it. All right, Mary, (laughs) you are the best. Thank you so much for spending the time with us. Yeah, you're just, uh, Gary was right, of course, again. Um, Mariel Hemingway thank you you can find her on all forms of social media Mariel Hemingway her uh, foundation for mental health is MarielHemingway.co thank you Mariel we'll be back in a minute hi I'm Alan Taylor from Entrepreneur Weekly Child sexual exploitation is an unimaginable crime that continues to invade our communities and homes. The Maloof Foundation is confronting this crime by providing education, promoting healing, and ensuring justice for survivors. But this cause can't be won alone. Learn how you can join the Maloof Foundation in their efforts to preserve a child's right to freedom, hope, justice, and dignity at MaloofFoundation.org. That's M-A-L-O-U-F Foundation.org. Listening to Entrepreneur Weekly. Now, here's your host, Alan Taylor. Well, our next guest is interesting. I was looking at her bio and said, Oh, you you climbed Mount Kilimanjaro. She said, Yes. And I also <laughs> climbed the Great Wall of China while pregnant and a child on my back. Now I've done that. That's hard all by listen, I just have a fat roll, and that's all I was carrying up that thing, and that was tough. Allison Hartson, welcome to the show. <laughs> You're a wild woman. <laughs> Thanks, Alan. Oh well, you know, at least I have, uh, we have great taste in music, the two of us. <laughs> <laughs> right? Okay, so ambitiondata.com, Ambition Data, you are the CEO, and then author of the book, The Age of Customer Equity. And when I saw that, I thought, customer equity. I actually believe in 
relationship equity. I've told my friends a long, long time ago, I said, relationship equity is far more valuable than money, than gold and silver, because when the times get tough and you have a relationship with somebody that is based on trust, love, and friendship, that is something that you cannot call your banker and say, hey, I got a problem. The banker says, yeah, you and everybody else, like where we are right now in the world. (laughs) But when your friend is on the other line and they go, how can I help you? Because you're dealing with relationship equity. And now those people, they want to help you. So I'm curious, very curious about what Allison Hartso calls the age of customer equity. What does that mean? Customer equity is the combination of data and the beautiful love of the customer satisfaction, customer responsiveness. It's the combination of these two things together that allow us to see the value of a business through the value of their customer base. Mm. So the subtitle is Data-Driven Strategies to Build a Sustainable Company. So the world, let me just back up. How long ago did you write this book? Just curious. The book came out October 5th, 2021. Oh my gosh. Well, so it's like Mm -hmm. right on time. Because I was going to say, the world has changed in the last 18 to 20 months. And Mm -hmm. here we are in a world that, you know, most people that wrote a book two years ago, all of a sudden it's kind of a little bit obsolete because our world is going nuts. So, I mean. No, this one is right on the mark, especially with BlackRock. The CEO of BlackRock put out a statement that basically said, we are no longer going to choose and value companies based on shareholder equity. In other words, how much money the company makes for the stakeholders and the shareholders. Mm -hmm. Instead, we're going to choose the companies based on environmental, social, governance, and customer equity. Mm -hmm. All of that is part of these new ways of thinking about business and the value it brings to our whole society. Mm. So just to give the listeners a little bit of understanding here, Allison Hartso has built and executed digital customer analytic strategies for Fortune 500 customers, including Nike, BlackRock, New England Biolabs, GlaxoSmithKline, HP, Intel, Microsoft, and others. These companies aren't really always known for, you know, considering customer equity. It's usually, you need me, mm-hmm. I don't need you. So I don't know. Mm-hmm. I mean, explain when you talk about what is customer equity and how do you measure that? In the book, we talk about it as a framework, a listen, learn, and lead framework. The companies that are in the customer-centric leadership stage are Amazon is the number one leader. And you think about the responsiveness that you get from Amazon. They're always ahead of you. Domino's is another good example. Electronic Arts, Poshmark. A lot of these are very direct-to-consumer customer companies. But if we learned anything in the 2020 coronavirus time period, it was that that direct relationship with customers became even more important. All the business groups are now saying, okay, I might be producing drugs for the doctors to prescribe to patients, but I really want that relationship with the end patient. All of business to businesses are coming up that curve and they're learning more and more about how to do things the way that a direct-to-consumer group might do them, Mm -hmm. especially when it comes to data and using data well. 
So why do you think today a customer-centric transformation is needed and matters more? What are your thoughts on that? I think it matters more because businesses really don't have an excuse anymore to be boneheaded when they're talking to customers. So imagine if all the data that they collect is like a keg and you tap that keg and it just comes and it's squirting out and all the data is covering everybody in the company and they can't quite figure out what to do with it. That has largely been the state of how data operates in most companies. And it's obviously not an ideal state. So when they shape the data, when they think about how to craft, not shaking up a keg, but crafting a cocktail, it's a lot better of an experience for the customer externally and for the people inside the business that are using the data to try to make better decisions. But most companies haven't thought about the groundwork that has to go in in order to make the data sing, in order to make that beautiful cocktail come together. You've got to have the right ingredients on the shelf. Right. I mean, even if you're making pizza, if you don't have the right ingredients, you're going to be making something else, right? So you, you yeah, need... Yeah, it's like Data's no different. Right. You've got to have the right stuff. How does a person really understand if their company is on the right track for this customer-centric way of thinking? So that's an excellent question. And so we talked about the, the different things you need, the products on the shelf. If you are a young company and you're just starting to collect data, some of the basic things you need are the ability to hear people's behavior. They're coming into the site. They're looking for a product. Were they able to get to it? Were they not able to get to it? That's basic digital analytics, tracking. Or if you run a call center, you want to be able to collect the information from the call center and understand how long did it take someone to get through, what kind of topics were they talking about. All that data collection comes in, but in order to bring it together, you've got to start collecting those pieces carefully and accurately. So the bottom of the maturity curve is to listen, to collect the information with permission and use that to start building better experiences for the customer base. Once all that information is together, you start to shape it into people who are trying to do things. So it's not that I take all that information at once and try to figure out know what is awareness what is consideration what is conversion that's not the right way to think about it instead i think about people doing things so even though i don't actually know who these people are i can shape all that information to say these people are trying to do this thing and um, maybe they're trying to find uh, a career with my company or maybe they're trying to decide what type of product they want or maybe they're trying to actually hold on one second let me take a break We're talking with Allison Hartso, the age of customer equity, and we need to continue on this on the other side. So don't go anywhere. It is Entrepreneur Weekly. listening to Entrepreneur Weekly. Thanks for joining us today. An interesting show. First, Mariel Hemingway, and now Allison Hartso. Her book, The Age of Customer Equity. 
data-driven strategies to build a sustainable company. You can find that at A, the letter A, heartso.com. Um, that's H-A-R-T-S-O-E, aheartso.com. Or you can also find out about her company. She's the CEO of Ambition Data at ambitiondata.com. So we're coming back to this maturity curve. We're talking about the framework of it. We got to the first part of it. You said there was three parts, and the first part was listening, and I was listening, I promise. So where do we keep going on that? Sorry, the commercial was running us over. No worries. Yeah, and so the middle part is the learning section. And what the book does is it interlocks different interviews with companies who have been great examples of learning. Nike kicks off the learning section and Naked Wines brings it home at the end. But both of them talk about how to use customer lifetime value as another way to shape the data why the way that you store the data in warehouses or data lakes matters, and different ways to do experiments, which is how we ultimately learn from customers. You form a hypothesis, you try it, did it work, and then you determine what the outcome is. Mm -hmm. So all of that is just the, the meat in the middle of learning from the customer base. How would you, if you were to just like take a phone call, because you know radio is kind of, call-in kind of radio shows and we don't do that on this one but if somebody says all right allison how do you grade my company i've got a cupcake and coffee company whatever you come in and get a coffee and desserts and things and i'm the owner because i deal with this all the time i'm the owner and everything is great when i'm there but when i when as soon as i'm gone and i leave it to my employees things start to fall apart how do i fix this i mean so in other words, people are great when it's their company, the small entrepreneur, mm -hmm. small business. But as soon as they start to grow and they're trying to open that second or third store, you watch them struggle. And, oh, my God, I thought I had this down pat. And, you know, I'm I, either I'm not doing my homework or I'm not giving systems and processes. How would you grade a company, a small company like that? So we usually grade through the data structures, but let me give a quick shout out to Brian Eisenberg's book, Be Like Amazon, Everybody Can Do It. That is a real good example of what you just said, which is if I have a small company and I want to be able to determine the processes to use. Brian's also a, an endorser of this book as well uh, as a number of other people. Yeah. But when you have data coming through and you're dealing with lots of so your coffee shop is now something like Trade Coffee, and Trade Coffee has, they sell online, they work for small producers trying to give them more exposure, right. very similar to Naked Wine's business model. Yeah. When you have all that information coming in and you're trying to figure out how do I cost effectively buy better advertising, how do I get better customers through the door, how do I make sure that I keep them longer, how do I know that they're going to churn and catch them before they do? All that data knowledge is designed to feed into this process that's laid out in the book that eventually helps the company become more algorithmic right. in the way that they approach and lead with data. You know what? Poshmark is our final example. I got to tell you, that was such a great answer because I get that kind of a question all the time from the small business owners. And yeah. I always say the next phase of your life is going to take an entirely different you. You cannot, you know, clone yourself. And so you really have to put into, into systems and processes in place, but you've also got to really study. 
you got to do your homework on this stuff because that first business can be just a joy. It's fun. It's hard work. Yes, you got sweat equity into it and you're there. But as soon as you want to do a business where you and your face and your personality is not standing there, boy, you got to have your game. You got you to gotta level up and have your game on. Uh, we'll take another break. We'll come back and talk about the last piece of this. The, the book, The Age of Customer Equity, Data-Driven Strategies to Build a Sustainable Company, or two, or three, or however many you want. <laughs> we'll take a break. Allison Hartzell is our guest. We'll be right back. I want to hold them like they do in Texas, please. Fold them, let them hit me, raise it, baby, stay with me. I love it. Love game, intuition, play the cards with spades to start. And after he's been hooked Can't get enough of Entrepreneur Weekly? Check out our podcast on iTunes for even more content. Subscribe today. Need a mentor? One-on-one online sessions with Entrepreneur Magazine's experts can help you start a business, grow your business, build your brand, fundraise, and more. Book your one-on-one session with experienced business owners and media experts. Jason Pfeiffer, editor-in-chief of Entrepreneur Magazine, can help you perfect your business pitch to media. Businesswoman Kathleen Griffith, founder of Grayson Company, can help improve your growth and marketing strategies. Need guidance on improving your leadership skills? Elizabeth Gore, president of Alice, can help you become a strong, value-driven leader. So what are you waiting for? Book your one-on-one session with Entrepreneur's lineup of experts today. Visit entrepreneur.com slash mentors. Again, that's entrepreneur.com slash mentors. Listening to Entrepreneur Weekly. Now, here's your host, Alan Taylor. So, I did a show with the guy singing in the background, Billy Gibbons, ZZ Top. And a lot of entrepreneurs are like this song My Head's in Mississippi, right? Because <laughs> you are, you're, you're running your small business, you're successful. But your head is already in the next location and in, in kind of even more in the next two or three locations. And I have that happening right now at a, uh, you ever heard of Allison Hartzell joining us? Have you ever heard of boba tea? It's kind of a new thing. Right? Oh, yeah. Love right? it. I do it with my son all the time. So a guy rented from me. I own a plaza and he started a boba tea. And this was, this was location number two. And then he went on and did number three and number four and then number five. And then he was like number four and then he'd be back to number three. And I just talked to him a few minutes ago and he's like, yeah, I'm going to be running this one for a while. We're just going to downsize a little bit. (laughs) So Mm. even though, well, you know what? That's sometimes entrepreneurs, man, we run ahead of ourselves. So, I mean, but if he had used the data correctly, if he had analyzed his customer base and seen where his high value customers were geographically located, he would have been able to pinpoint exactly where he should open up stores. Right. This is what Bonobos did a couple of years ago. Yep. So, I was talking to you in the commercial break about Dutch Brothers Coffee, Dutch Bros. 21 years ago, and they just went public and, and they're, you know, three or four billion dollars, whatever. But I told the guy who started this coffee shop, this little, it was a cart. They used to roll the cart out. And I'd say, 
don't do this. You're crazy. What are you thinking? Well, he's thinking he's worth three and a half billion dollars right now. But I was wrong because I thought, you know, this is nuts, man. You guys own a dairy. Keep doing what you do. But entrepreneurs venture out. But so important for us to have the data to back up what we're doing, whether we're doing it right or wrong. And people just, Mm -hmm. unfortunately, we entrepreneurs, man, we're risk takers. But data, you're not taking near the risk if you've got the data to back up what you're about to do. So I'll let you talk now. Yeah, that's exactly right. You know, Dutch Brothers, we all love them out here on the West Coast, but they are onto something where they know they're resonating with the customer base. Fortunately, it's paying off for them because the repeat business is coming through. But if you didn't know that or you weren't quite sure, should I offer this product or that product, doing the analysis of what the customers who are trending upwards in terms of value over time versus which customers might be trending downward and need to be rescued, give you that precision or that answer that helps you see financially what decision should I make to unlock revenue behind the customer base? And and that's really, again, the premise of the book is everything behind customer equity is customer lifetime value, which is projected forward, not backward. It's looking at where are those pockets of revenue I should be able to pull forward. It's beautiful. I love it because, like I said in the beginning, relationship equity is something I've talked about in my life for years because I always thought through the hardest times of my life, I was able to lean on my friends that that were true friends. And I had relationship equity, something you also have with your customers. Your customer equity is that relationship equity, but the data-driven strategies that you're talking about will show you where they lie. Am I right? Exactly. You got it. And that's why people can buy the book, see the strategies themselves. They're certainly welcome to reach out. I'm on LinkedIn. The company is available. I'm happy to help. But ultimately, when companies use data for good, when they do it correctly, there is no reason why an entrepreneur should fail. We should all be successful. Yes, agreed. (laughs) Okay, so where you can find her, it's real simple. It's her last name with her first initial, A. Hartso, and that's H-A-R-T-S-O-E.com. And her company, of course, she's the CEO of Ambition Data, ambitiondata.com on the web. And the book, The Age of Customer Equity, Data-Driven Strategies to Build a Sustainable Company. So I'm playing this song for you. It's Queen. Don't stop me now. Because that's us. Don't stop us. We are entrepreneurs. We don't want to stop, but we do need help understanding this kind of new world of data that entrepreneurs sometimes we think oh i don't need that i got it i got this one (laughs) you want to make it ahead oh i love it love it allison thank you for being with us thank you okay here it comes we'll see you guys all next week check out our website entrepreneur.com i'm alan taylor we'll see you then This program is copyrighted by Entrepreneur Media Incorporated.